You know, when um, Robin and I first got married, uh, I guess our first Christmas, I, I got her uh, our first yellow lab. How many of you are dog people? Any dog people here? Um, I've always tried to live by the motto, may I be the man my dog thinks I am. I love that. Uh, but we've, we've had labs ever since, and, uh, and uh, um, our, we have a new lab. A year ago, we had to put Nellie down, or excuse me, I wanted to put Nellie down. Nellie's our dog right now. Um, we had to put Lucy down. Lucy was such an incredible dog. She was a chocolate lab, and, and um, she, we got her when Maggie was one. And Lucy was so cool because I would take her to schools with me, and I would do this illustration with her. And, and I, could, I could be in my front yard, and I would uh, get a tennis racket and have, have that, a tennis ball on my racket. I would flip it up, and I would hit it down the sidewalk. And, um, and, and Lucy would take off running and get that ball and come and bring it right back, sit it on my racket, because it was all slobbery. It was awesome. Slobber would just flow off that ball. It was really cool. Um, and, and she'd put it on my racket, and I'd flip it up and do it again. I would do that until that dog was just sucking air, gas. I mean, this dog was about to fall over. And someone would walk by with another dog, and that dog would bark, and and Lucy would just look at him and go, hey, what's up? I'm getting the ball. And she wouldn't take off. She obeyed my voice. I could take her to a school, and I would have all these kids say, come here, Lucy. And she would come to me every time because she knew my voice. Nellie is a different story. This dog is a punk. And, um, and the other day I was, I was um, I'd opened my garage, and I was, the dog won't fetch, and it's terrible, and doesn't like water. I'm like, you're a lab. You like water. And um, maybe I shouldn't have thrown her in. I threw her in the water. Maybe that was bad. But, um, but I opened the garage door, and, and Nellie sees this lady walking across the street. It was real early in the morning, so it was dark. And I felt so bad because Nellie's like, there's my long-lost friend that I haven't seen forever. And she takes off in a dead sprint at this lady. And all this, this lady just hears this huffing and this big dog running at her, scared the snot out of her. It was, I felt so bad. And, um, and I looked at Nellie, and I was like, I'm your master. Obey me. And she just, she's such a knothead, that dog. But, you know, I wish Nellie would understand if she obeyed my voice, if she followed my commands, I'd protect her. I would make sure she wouldn't run out in the street and potentially get hit by a car. I, I would make sure she lived a long life and a joyful life. Well, you know, we're, we're the same way in some ways. God has said to us, if you follow me, if you do what I say, I'll, I'll lead you. I'll help you. I'll guide you. Just like we are in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is such an interesting book. And today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to process two chapters today in 1 Samuel uh, 13 through 15. And it's such a, an important chapter. And this is an important message. And it's a hard message. It's, it's, we're going to look at the, the discipline of God. Because God loves us. God sees us. And, and we just heard Samuel in chapter 12 say, look, if you and your king follow the voice of the Lord, you'll be blessed. But if you disobey his voice, you'll be swept away. And that was the message Samuel had just delivered. 
And now we pick up in 13, in chapter 13, and we're going to quickly process these two chapters and walk through this because God has some specific things for us today. And, and I don't want us to miss it. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's tough to preach because it's confrontational. There are, if you study the Bible correctly, there are times you open it and you're like, oh, man, that, that got me. That hit, that was a, that was a, that's something I need to work on. That's where we are all going to be today. So let's get ready. Would you stand with me? 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read verse 1. Then we're going to jump to verse 13 and 14, and then we're going to fill in all the blanks through chapter 15. Verse 1 says this, chapter 13. Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, and then it goes on to what happened in this instance that was early in his kingdom. And then verse 13, Samuel picks up. Samuel comes to Saul in verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now let's understand the story, what's going on. We're early in Saul's kingdom in chapter 13 and 14. And, and Saul was this man that was anointed by God. He was a young man, but God had anointed him. God had called him in spite of the rebellious people, in spite of God's people not doing what he said. God said, I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm going to help you. And God anointed Saul. Saul was the tallest of all the crowd. Remember, we looked at a couple weeks ago, he was hiding when, when he was anointed king. And, but now he's the king. He's been reigning for a little while. And, um, and there's a problem. God's people are in chaos. The Philistines are attacking them, and Saul has to assemble an army. And that's what's going on in chapter 13. The Philistines had come, come about, and they were, the Philistines were ruthless, and we know about them, and we're going to confront them over the next few weeks as we look at some cool stories that you've heard about with the Philistines. But, um, but the, the Philistines, were, were, they, they were battling God's people for generations, and it's interesting because the, the, things were in chaos. There was not a blacksmith in, in Israel at this time. So what they would have to do, no one had, had weapons, but yet they were going to have to go fight the Philistines. And there were only two people in all of Israel's army that had swords, and it was Saul and Jonathan. Everyone else had their plow, their farming instruments, and they had gone to the Philistines that were blacksmith, and they asked them to sharpen their, their, their plows and their, and their farming tools, and they charged them a whole bunch of money. And, and, and so they assemble for battle, and it's a bunch of farmers, and they look out across the field, and the Philistines had gathered, verse 5 says in chapter 13, with 3,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. Okay, so this is, if you've got your, your, your pitchfork and you're looking at the horses and the chariots, you're going, boys, we're going to lose today. And, and it's not just losing a game. We're going to die today, boys. And they got scared and they took off. 
they took off. They, they were hiding in caves. They were, they were, and Saul is like, oh my goodness, everybody's hiding. And, and he was like, Saul's like, okay, what am I going to do? What, what can we do? So in chapter 13, it talks about Saul kind of makes this, this um, fake religious um, setting. He, he comes together and he says, I'm going to make a sacrifice and, and this is going to communicate that the Lord is with us. And he makes this sacrifice to the Lord in front of all the people, hoping that the people would go, okay, let's go fight now. And then Samuel shows up in verse 13. Look at verse 13 again. And Samuel comes up, he's like, Saul, what are you doing? What's going on? And he he said, Saul, you have done foolishly, for you have not kept the, the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. He said, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The first point I want us to understand this morning, and we've got to get this. It's this, that blatant disobedience to God is always destructive. And and I want you to understand that. It's important that we understand that. If we blatantly disobey God, it will always be destructive in our lives. And so many of us are the same. We, We know what God wants us to do. We hear his voice. We understand his word. And then we go out and completely disobey him. You know, all week long as I've studied Saul, I kept thinking about myself. I kept thinking about the moments that I've just said, God, I've just disobeyed you. Uh, I've I've thought back in my life of moments where I just said, I know what his word says, I just just didn't obey him. And and we've got to understand that when those moments come, when we are faced with that decision of, am I going to obey God or am I going to disobey God, we've got to recognize that blatant disobedience will always be destructive. Now, we see this unfold in chapters 13 and 14 because what happened is no army comes together. They're like, oh, Saul has 600 men, and and they're like, what are we doing? Everybody's hiding. And then chapter 14 tells this really cool story about Jonathan, his son. This is Saul's son. And and Jonathan gets his armor bearer, and he says, hey, let's go up and let's look at this Roman, or excuse me, this Philistine garrison. Let's look at those guys. And 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 Jonathan says this, "If, if they call us up, and, and if they say, come up, the Lord's delivered them into our hands, let's go up and kill them. And uh, it's a cool story. This is like a good movie. And, uh, and so Jonathan goes, and, he, and, he, and, and they come out of this little, uh, into this little canyon, and the Philistines look down and said, look, the Israelites are coming out of their holes. They said, come on up here, boy. We'll, show you, we'll teach you a lesson. Jonathan looks at his, armor, at his armor bearer and says, God's delivered them into our hands today. So Jonathan trusts the Lord, climbs the the little crevice, that rock crevice, climbs up there, and Jonathan and his armor bearer kill 20 Philistines right there. And what happened in this moment, it was crazy because the Philistines, there there are 6,000 chariots and thousands of men that are here. And, and they, they see these 20 men get killed, and the Philistines just flip out. They start killing one another. They start fighting with each other. Saul's like, oh, my goodness, what's happened? They get their 600 men. They start fighting, and God helped them win that battle. And, and, but here's what's crazy. 
Instead of just being, oh, look what God's done, Saul comes up with this other fake religious um, sacrifice and just says to the whole army, nobody can eat. We're all going to fast, and if you eat, you're going to die. Well, Jonathan didn't get that message, and after this battle, Jonathan eats some honey. And, And he comes back, and it comes out that Jonathan disobeyed the command of Saul. And then Saul gets everybody together, and he's like, Jonathan, i got to kill you because you disobeyed my command. And the whole people, all God's army said, no, you can't do that. Don't do that because he led us to victory. You can't. And they spared Jonathan's life. Now, here's the point. They just won the battle, but yet all they can do is fight and argue. It's chaos. And here's what I want us to catch today. When we blatantly disobey God, it moves our whole life to chaos. And even when we do something good, even when we see something good happen, it's just chaos. Because that's what disobedience does. And I pray we understand what what Jesus said in John chapter 10. John 10, 10, you know that verse. John, John 10, Jesus says, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says that I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And it's important that we understand that obeying God is not a burden. Obeying God is a call for all of us. And when we, you and I that know Jesus blatantly disobey the voice of the Lord, it produces just destruction and chaos in our life. And we see that unfold in this passage. So my prayer for us, my, my call, our, the call of the pastors at, at your church the ones that are to know you and to be in, you're in our lives, we're in your life, we see you, we pray over you, we're, we're holding one another accountable. We've got to be obedient to the voice of God, the commands of God. Because when we are obedient to the Lord, Jesus said that we have life that is life to the full, oh, life that is meaningful, life that is fulfilling. And that's found in obeying God's voice. And see, God was faithful to Saul to put a prophet in his life to say, Saul, obey the Lord. Now, now chapter 15 is, is tough. I'll be honest with you. This is one of those passages that you read, and you're like, golly, that makes me uncomfortable. It is so politically incorrect today that it's, it makes my head spin. Like, you, you find one of those, those I, as a pastor, I find those passages that I read and go, ooh, I don't know that I want to preach that one. I think I'll skip it. Those are usually the ones you go, I better go back and preach that. And this is one of those passages that a lost world looks at us and says, you'll follow a God that would do that? And we need to understand it and confront it. Look at chapter 15, starting in verse 1. A lot of time had gone by. Um, Saul had this habit of disobeying God, these false religious sacrifices. 1 Samuel 15.1 says this, And Samuel said to Saul, Samuel comes to Saul again, he says, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, 
I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. He's referring to back to Exodus 17 right there. In that moment, Amalek was this leader who led his people to attack Israel from behind. And what happened is Amalek uh, came around with his soldiers and attacked all the women, the children, and the sick of God's people. And, and they, they, they brought all kinds of destruction. In that moment, God said to Moses, um, Amalek will be destroyed. And here's Samuel said, okay, God's keeping that promise. And Saul, he's going to use you to do it. Verse 3, now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them. But kill both man, woman, child, and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now God said, you got to wipe them off the face of the earth. Now that's very uncomfortable for us. But let's understand that for a minute. Let's, let's think about that for a minute. The Amalekites were this group of people that generation after generation looked at the face of God and said, we will oppose you, we will fight you, and we will come against you. And, and, and we just have to be honest. It's never a good idea to look at God and say, I will oppose you, I will come against you. It, it, and that's what Amalek did. Now, the, the, the Amalekites were, were persistent in their rebellion against God. And I want you to know something. God is patient. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. But let me tell you this. He, he will not allow the guilty to go unpunished. God is just. And God deals, God teaches us that sin and rebellion are a big deal. And point number two, I want you to get this. Sin and rebellion demand complete annihilation. And it's uncomfortable as we look at this that Saul gets this charge. You've got to go wipe them out. But as I prayed through this, as I wrestled through this, I, I couldn't help but think about the world we live in. We live in this world that really thinks sin is no big deal. We really look at the sin in our lives and we go, well, that's not that bad. And we live in a whole world that is communicating to us, accept sin, accept rebellion. Don't, you don't really believe all of this, do you? Sin is not that big a deal. But I want you to know, sin is devastating. Sin is devastating to us personally. It's devastating to us culturally. Sin hurts every time. And because God hates sin so much, he demands complete annihilation of sin. 
Now, now I, want, I, want you, I want you to see this today. Here's how, okay, the Bible talks about God being holy, right? God is holy. We don't understand holiness. It's hard for us as human beings to grab what holiness is. What we do know, every time in Scripture that we see somebody that sees the holiness of God, what do they do? They fall on their knees and they fall on their face and they go, like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, he says, Woe is me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Because Isaiah 6 describes this scene as the prophet Isaiah, he, he sees the Lord and he's high and exalted, it says, and, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were these seraphs, these angelic creatures, and they were, they were flying around saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah sees God, and he falls on his knees. He's like, holy, holy, oh God, I'm not worthy. You see, one day, we're gonna, I'm going to die. I'm going to draw my last breath. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And on that day, I'm going to see holiness for the first time. I'm going to experience it. And I think in that moment, I'm going to fully understand how devastating sin is. Because here's what happened. God took sin so seriously that God himself left heaven and came here. And he lived this life that was perfect. And then he went to the cross and he died on the cross. Holy God, like 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. God hates sin so much that he himself came. It's why we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God so sought to annihilate sin that he himself went to the cross. And see, for me, as I, as I looked at this and as I thought, Lord, sin, help me never to accept sin in my life. Help me never to say sin is okay. Because the sin that you and I committed, Jesus came and annihilated. And I pray that we recognize that sin and rebellion demand complete annihilation. See, the, 
But what happened with Saul in chapter 15, he was called to go and wipe out the Amalekites. But you know, he didn't do it. They go into this battle and, and he defeated them. But he looked around and, 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 and God's people said, hey, this is some really good stuff here. These are some really good cattle and sheep and, and there's some good things here. Let's not get rid of those. And hey, this king, you know, let's not get rid of him. The king of the Amalekites, let's, let's keep him alive. He's a pretty good guy, I guess. I don't know what they were thinking. But he was still alive. They didn't annihilate him. And Samuel shows up. And he's like, verse 12, verse 12, chapter 15, Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And, and Samuel, and it was told Samuel, Saul, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed and went to Gilgal, verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul and said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment the Lord has made. So Saul said, look, look, I've done all that God said to do. And Samuel said, verse 14, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best sheep of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. And Samuel's like, you didn't do it. You didn't obey God. And he looked at Saul and said, Saul, you're done. You're done. Folks, Saul makes this excuse. And he says, but, but Samuel, the, the people, they, they, they persuaded me. They said this stuff's really good. And Samuel's a tough preacher. You ought to thank the Lord that Samuel's not your pastor, that I am. Because Samuel gets the king, said, bring me the king. The king comes, they bring him to the king. King thinks everything's good. Samuel hacks him to death right there. That's a pastor that's probably makes us all nervous, right? Thank the Lord that I'm not Samuel. But I want to be faithful to be honest like Samuel. Samuel was like, Saul, you, the people, you're going to blame it on the people? Third point is this, and we've got to hear this today. Do you know that most of the time the popular voice is not God's voice? We've got to be careful about the popular voice that is saying, hey, you mean you're going to follow the word of God? Sin, that's not that big a deal. Sin is devastating. And God is faithful to discipline our disobedience because he loves us. And so this morning, let's not miss this. Let's not miss the fact that, um, that Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. It's best to trust the Lord. It's best to follow the voice of the Lord, no matter how hard it is. And I don't want to be a disobedient pastor and stand before you and say, it's easy to follow Jesus. 
Because I'll tell you, following Jesus is a lot of things. Easy is not one of them. It's a challenge to follow the Lord. We will face opposition following the Lord. It will require sacrifice following the Lord. Now, don't be mistaken. You don't make sacrifices to, to get to heaven. Jesus annihilated sin for us, and, and we follow him, and he's, he's set us free. But don't be mistaken. Following Christ is one of the most challenging things we will ever do. But I'll tell you, you'll never regret it because it has promise in this life and the next. Folks, we're called to be obedient to the voice of God. And we can't miss what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I pray that the Lord finds us obedient to his voice. Maybe you're here today and you've, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've been one of those that have looked at God and said, God, I will oppose you. I will fight against you. I will reject your voice. Oh, can I plead with you today? That's not, that will not produce the end that you will like. Come to Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. That will not, Satan will not, not deliver what he promises. He never does. God will always be faithful to you. Come to Jesus and know what forgiveness is like. Maybe you're a believer, but you're just in this season of, God, I'm going to disobey your voice. Understand the Lord's discipline is a blessing. You know, I'm called to preach the word and we're called to obey him let's do that i'm going to ask you to stand where you are lord jesus